Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. There is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. out of sanctum and we are so thrilled to be here pumped in the words of a leash sometimes this week we have all the aflw news and the issues that you've had uh the footy community talking about we love to dig in deep and have a conversation about those things we're thrilled to have your company for the next hour i am your host emma race and as always i welcome into the studio my football loving lady friends i'm gonna let them introduce themselves shelly where go blues alicia not a singer sometimes <laughs> tess a singer armstrong go tigers yeah what are well, your thoughts go yeah tigers? yeah that's yeah. fine i feel like you've both just really put out there i mean if you if you don't go for the blues don't go for the tigers there's still going to be something for you in this hour well i'm, I'm going to avoid talking about richmond until the end so i think there's heaps in it for you. Yep. Do you know what is the most exciting thing waking up on this round of AFLW is? What? Any guesses? Aaron's back. <laughs> Aaron Phillips wow. is Yay! back in record time. Yeah. Low key. I'm going to say that's not the right song. That's not the right song yeah, for this so. moment. Aaron's back. I, I actually popped into a recording studio, guys. I'm pretty pumped about Aaron <laughs> Phillips being back and everyone knows Chess Armstrong's got an amazing voice. And so I went in and I recorded a little something that I hope <laughs> oh. goes like this. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Phillips. One Aaron Phillips. There's only one Aaron Phillips. There's only one Aaron Phillips. One Aaron Phillips. See? That's gold. One Aaron Phillips. Turn it down. Oh, Nick, turn it down. That's going straight to the pool top. Will there be an EP? There'll be an EP. (laughs) It's actually going to be an earworm that will stay with all and sundry who just heard that, and it will be with them all day, and they'll be cursing you by the end of the day. You're welcome. I'm here. I'm here all the time making songs, and I am pumped about seeing Erin Phillips back. It's good for footy, absolutely, and um, it's probably bad for the. The Blues. <laughs> it's not going to be that bad for the Blues. The Blues are going to bring it. But the thing is, Erin Phillips did her ACL in the grand final last year, which Adelaide went on to win in front of a record-breaking mm-hmm. crowd mm. at the Adelaide Oval, 53,034 people, if you don't mind. And so it is actually pretty quick for her to come back. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Erin Phillips would be able to achieve a quick turnaround of an ACL, a PB. Yeah, she's an absolute... 
Absolute machine of a woman. She'll probably go to the pan packs in ACL recovery. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Olympics, maybe even. On today's show, we will welcome Libby Birch. She's already here. She oh, looks God. fit as a fiddle. Looks like she could play again. The Melbourne defender, who no doubt is still celebrating last night's win that they had at uh, Superhero Stadium. It was extraordinary for the for the Ds. We're also going to hear a unique footy story from Liz Quinn at Tigerland and the ABC Grandstand expert in women's footy Shiloh Curtis will be here to unpack the known knowns and the unknown knowns and the known unknowns <laughs> as we hit the midway point of the AFLW season. One massive thing that we will be talking about on today's show is the fact that our own Shelley Ware has been honoured in the new Australian Sports Museum. I oh, know, it's so exciting. I can't wait to share that later. It's really cool and we were thinking, I mean, you don't look old enough to be in a museum, Shell. Oh, bless. I'll come again. I'll come Come every week. But um, (laughs) if you had the opportunity to have something of your sporting prowess Mm. uh, Mm. honoured in a museum or if you had the opportunity to have your favourite sporting moment honoured in a museum, what would it be? What would you like to see in a museum honouring your moment? That's easy. My white roller skates with the red stoppers or my Tony Hawk and uh, skateboard with Pal Peralta wheels. I was, you know, that'd be me. I'd go and see that. I think if it was my own personal thing, it would be my scarf, which is knitted by my sister and it's filled with Badges, right? So and I've jam got from the jam donut. And so much jam. It's, it's just, and I don't want to wash it off. It's all part of the vibe. But if I was going to put my footy moment in it, I'd put Ivan Marich's mullet. Cut yes, it off. excellent. Put yes. it in the museum. Oh, oh, love it. Last night was a bit of a heartbreaker for the D's, uh, for, sorry, for the pies with Ash Brazel going mm. down and sucking on that green whistle. It's an mm. awful thing to see. It was a huge night. Mm. Uh, it was the bushfire appeal game at the Docklands, but it was some kind of hell ride for Ash Brazel and the pies. Isn't this an absolute gift for Jacqueline Parry, who's going to be taken all the way to the goal line? Your first goal could not come any easier. So Parry starts just outside the goal square, trots in and chips it through. And she is mobbed by teammates in red and blue. Thumps it long to fall forward. Livingston up over the back of Cunningham. Spoils it away. She fouled and left it behind. Almost called for a hold there on Cunningham who didn't have the football. Shoveled out by Parry to Hoare, who wheels around, snaps from 30 and kicks a beauty. Kate Hoare gets Melbourne second. So late on the slow approach, arms outstretched, ready to drop the ball onto her left boot. She gives it a good ride, gives it a very good ride. Runs away in celebration. A hop, skip, a jump and a fist pump. For Shani Layton, a big hug of Jamie Lambert. She's got Collingwood on the board and she's very excited about it. Fires them inside 50. Overcooked the kick a bit. Darcy couldn't do much at ground level. This will be another free kick. Comes in. 25 out. Kicks and kicks trawling. Never looked like missing. Scores level here at the Docklands. And what a start to the second quarter for the Magpies. Hand pass to Daisy Pierce. Short kick is a good one to go. Mark, 60 from goal. She turns, looking to get it in there quickly. Leighton gets a fist in. At ground level, though. Nice work by Cunningham. Hand pass over to Zaka, who snaps on the left and kicks truly. Fantastic response from the Ds. Tegan Cunningham. 
in she comes from 40 metres out. High kick, doesn't have the journey, it's going and it's gone! Great goal by Cardigan. Newman was there, tackled by Rowe, McAvoy goes back in, hands it back to Tyler Hanks, still at centre-half forward for Melbourne. A little pirouette, kicks inside 50, Scott was up high, Livingston brought it down for Collingwood, Scott paddles it on though, kept it moving, McAvoy lines up on goal! She shoots and has been able to kick it, in fact it's Sheriff who's kicked the goal for Melbourne. Right foot kick on the way from Parry. It'll sit up in the top of the goal square. Demons with numbers there. And Matty Gay's pulled in the mark from the middle of the pack. It's floated over most. And Matty Gay stood there in the goal square and clunked it. Had a goal assist to her tally for the debut. That's two, <laughs> so two goal assists and a goal. Not a bad outing for the first time for Jackie Parry. And Matty Gay to seal it for the Demons, bangs it into the second tier, and in a game they had to win, Melbourne have made sure that they've taken care of business. to get to the bottom of that. Lucky we've got an expert in with us. Conference B is bringing the huge moments this season. Our next guest has not escaped attention on or off the field, but she doesn't have any bruises today. We give a huge sanctum welcome to Melbourne Football Club's hard-working defender. She's as tough as a cat's hair. She's Libby Birch. Welcome to the sanctum. Libby, how are you? Yeah, great. It's always a better night's sleep after a win. <laughs> I wonder whether you can get to sleep after you win. you just got so much adrenaline pumping through your veins. Yeah, especially with Friday night games or late games like we have in the last couple of weeks. It takes so long to mm. get to sleep just because you're absolutely pumping with adrenaline. Uh, but last night, I have to say, yeah, after a win, it's so much easier to get to sleep. And it was something special because you were at Superhero Stadium <laughs> yesterday at the Docklands. Do you love playing there or how do you feel about it? I absolutely love playing at Superhero Stadium. It is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Like the spectacle of women's footy there I think is terrific. You've got no conditions. It's just absolutely perfect. Like the first two rounds we played in um, rain and gale force winds. Um, And we honestly feel like we're playing AFL at that stadium. Like it just, you've got the crowd and it was just such a special night for the bushfire appeal uh, and to share it with the boys as well and the whole of the AFL was pretty cool. It, it was an amazing night. It was very emotional even watching on because I think it's nice to be a part of something months after the recovery. Um, and it was moved. You were going to play at Vic Park. You, you escaped there, really. You got to play at Docklands <laughs> oh, instead, which worked out quite well. Yeah. And it, as Em mentioned before, very meaningful win. Conference B is going off. How do you feel about where, where you're... you're where you're sitting in that conference. Yeah, well, I think we were really disappointed with our game last week against St Kilda and would be the first to admit that. And um, we spoke about it after the loss. And obviously, with such a tight season, the pressure Mm. is on for every team to make sure you get the wins every week. And I think that adds another element to athletes' stress and pressure and performance as well. Um, And, you know, last week we we didn't have a great game, but we backed it up. And, and played a really great game last night. So I think it just, you know, there's a lot of excitement with mm. AFLW and, and what that stands for. Well, Shelley here. So your defence is second to none and it was great to see. And now it was good to see that you had some different names kicking goals like 
Parry, Scott and Cunningham. Mm. Like, how did you make that happen? Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> Parry, uh, that was her first game for the Melbourne Demons. Electric. She was so good. Mm. She made such a great contest for us all night and took some great marks and obviously kicked that goal. Her first, first. kick in AFLW. <laughs> We've actually got that? an SMS here. G'day all. Gee, the D's have found one in Jackie Parry. Can she play? <laughs> Very impressive. And she'll only get better with experience from Pete. Thanks for that, Pete. It's true. And Shelley mm. Scott's having the season of her lifetime. Yeah, she's been so consistent throughout the mm. first three rounds. Uh, and she's such a link for us from our mids to our forwards. So we're so excited to have her. Alita? Yeah, had a great uh, structure last night and it was such a moving game, a fast-moving game. And I'm wondering um, just about your at the leadership at the moment. What's it like at the Ds? I'm not going to ask you about previous clubs, but um, that, that sort of movement of... Um, leadership and what what do they say to you before a game? Yeah, I think, well, we've obviously got Daisy Pearce and Karen Paxman as our leaders and they are, I would say, nearly the best leaders in the competition uh, and they are nearly the best players in the competition and they have such, they're so humble, they're incredible people uh, and they stand for what AFL Women's is and the way that they speak to us, they're so calm uh, and nothing really phases them throughout a match. And I think that that just really comes across to us as a playing group, uh, that we can continue to problem solve throughout a match. And that's what our leaders do. But I think at Melbourne, what's working really well is, you know, we're not all, they're not, all the leadership's just not on them. Mm. Uh, it can be up to anyone at any mm. one point to lead um, the group in a certain way. That is so good to hear. Now, it was a 5pm game at uh, Superhero Stadium yes. last night. So what time did Paxman get to the game? <laughs> she has a habit of getting to games at lunchtime. I love that. And the game's like five, five and a half hours away. Uh, <laughs> she's all kitted up in her socks and she's oh, taped don't. and she's got all her um, gear on so she could literally run out at lunchtime and play. <laughs> so we told her to turn up a bit later. <laughs> Last and night. it still worked. And it still worked. I must yeah. say, it's working for her. Getting to games early, she must have look at the ground and think, that's where I'm getting my 25th disposal today. <laughs> Over there is what I'm going to tackle yeah. someone. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah, It is extraordinary. We're speaking with Libby Birch from the Melbourne Demons. Last night, of course, was for the bushfire appeal. And there was a beautiful package um, on the broadcast with Elise O'Day talking about her experience um, over Christmas and what that was like. When In the lead up to the game, did you guys um, have anyone come and talk to you? Or was how did the kind of the theme of the bushfire appeal um, intersect with football for you guys? Yeah, well, I think a lot, obviously a lot of teammates throughout the whole competition have had, you know, they're from the country and a lot of them have been personally affected by either friends or family. So I think it just, there was just a sense of, uh, you know, how important this night was for the community of AFLW and the community of the bushfire affected communities as well. So the most heartfelt moment was when we were standing and all of the fireys and everyone affected had run through the banner. Mm. I, We were all just like, this is just such a nice moment. Like they were so happy and they were really enjoying the moment and we just thought this is what footy's about. It's so much more than winning or losing. This is just a moment to cherish. And that was one of the most special things to, to see last night and to have everyone standing ovation at 
Dockland Stadium was just awesome. So Guard of Honour's got to be right yeah. up yeah. here. But second, surely, is huddling and singing the song. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, how, <laughs> so Very how, close to <laughs> How did that feel in such a big stadium with the crowd just building and building and so on your side? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was hard, you know, during three, the third and fourth quarter not to look around and go, oh, my God, there's actually a lot of people here. Uh, but, like, yeah, at the end, to, to see such a crowd uh, around us and getting a cheer as we walked off the ground, uh, it's just it's really special. And I think we should play more games at, mm. at Dockland Stadium and and encourage, you know, double headers where we can because the AFL is the AFL, men and women. So I think it was a, it was a great spectacle of, of what it could be going forward. I wanted to ask you about transitioning from another club. And I was going to say there are lots of negative things, but there are lots of good things Absolutely. about doing it. What are some of the best things that you take from experience of another place and taking it in? What's worked well? Yeah, I think... In different cultures, uh, you get to see whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to learn about, you know, in, in my experience, you know, there was there was some great things and then there were some things that could have been a little bit better mm. at the Bulldogs. And I think you learn from that and you get to take that into your next environment and go, look, this could have been better. And you get to help that next environment and that next environment can help you as well with what um, might be new to you. Mm. So I think that that's something that I've really taken into the Melbourne Demons is that I've got an experience that the Demons don't have um, and then the Demons have got something to share with me as well. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. Libby, we saw last night, it's extraordinary. Daisy Pierce. I mean, there's been conversations about can, women, can they have it all? And obviously there's been there's been lots of articles about how, or I've, heard, I've read lots of coverage about how you would turn up when she had the twins yeah, yeah. and you would deliver meals and just yeah. hang out and feed her and help her out, which sounds really lovely. Yeah. And like You have a really special connection with her. Yeah. One thing we saw last night was that she finished playing, she captained the team and... I was still sweating as a spectator when I saw her fully made up and on the boundary and boundary <laughs> riding for the men's game. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about her 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 ability to be so present and mm. to actually wear all of her roles and really contribute in every moment. Can you speak to how she achieves that? Oh, she's amazing. Is there anything she can't do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like she literally, we quickly sang the song after we got off the field and then she's like, oh, I've got to go. So she had all her, (laughs) she had all her uh, things in her locker and quickly got changed and ran upstairs and uh, it's just an incredible uh, being to be so calm and switch roles like that. It's just you know, not many people can do that and it's an absolute credit to her and that's how she actually leads us. Mm. Yeah. We've already played a game just before we came here today, haven't we? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what happened. You're all looking fresh. <laughs> I would be puce. I'd be puce coloured for a week if I played <laughs> the game Daisy Pierce played last night, Shelley. Now just to change the topic, would mm. you like to see a combined ladder? Oh, absolutely. Mm. I would really love to see a combined ladder going forward. I think that, you know, why why have two ladders? Like, yes, we mm. have two pools, but I think if you combine it, it doesn't make any difference. And I just think it would be greater for the audience, uh, audience our spectators, to see one ladder. Sometimes it could be a bit confusing for um, new fans as well. Uh, and for us just to see 
the one ladder as we've always seen it. Mm. Libby, we are so grateful that you've managed to come into the studio and <laughs> hang out with us the day after a I game. Miss it. You're hosting West Coast next week back at the Windy City. Yes. Uh, <laughs> have you been watching West Coast? What do you th- what do you think about that game? Yeah, that'll be a really important game for us because we've obviously got momentum from last night and to ensure that we continue to play our game style and focus on the process because, as I said, the pressure of winning games is important uh, and we need to make sure we stick with what we did last night because that worked. Libby Birch, thank you so much for coming in. We wish you all the very best of luck for the season and for a really thorough recovery today. You are listening to The Outer Sanctum as Libby Birch from The Demons just walks out with a bit of a spring in her step, I must say, (laughs) that winning feeling. She's pretty good. She's glowing. Uh, Before the break, we asked you what things you would like to see in a museum to mark your most amazing sporting moment. There was some news that uh, caught my attention this week, Alicia. We don't usually do this on The Outer Sanctum, but what's Finland been up to? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you asked because uh, the Football Association of Finland uh, is renaming its top women's division to remove the word women. It was formerly known as the Women's League from the start of the upcoming season. The highest level of competitive football for women will be called, and I apologise for my finish, the Kanzilinen Liga, the National League. Um, So Ari Lardi, the Associate President of the Football League, says last summer FIFA's Women's World Cup proved that people do not base their interest in football on the gender of the players. People come to the games to see top (laughs) athletes play quality football. That is why women's football should be treated equally to men's and... um, it's also been said football is football no matter who kicks the ball. Um, it, last year it was announced that equal pay for both men and women players uh, in the Finnish national team. So they're ahead. I mean, they were the first country in the world to elect women to parliament over a century ago. And their 34-year-old uh, prime minister is the youngest. Santa Marin is the youngest prime minister. They're just... Uh, World leaders in this, I think. Did you want to say they're kicking goals? They're kicking goals is exactly what I was about to say. So I feel like what you're saying is that Finland has just said it doesn't matter if you have an M or a W. No, that's right. At the end of the league name. But in Finnish. But in Finnish. And you said it in Finnish beautifully. There was also another huge story this week, Shelley Ware. So this week we heard the news that football great Polly Farmer, Graham Polly Farmer, has become the first Aussie rule player to be diagnosed with CTE a crippling neurological disorder caused by repeated knocks to the head. Now, his brain tissue was analysed at Sydney's Royal Prince Alfred Hospital late last year and he was actually diagnosed at stage 3 CTE, which is devastating. Now, Peter Jess has had a lot to say about this. He's involved in the 100 past players that are actually taking their case to the federal court against the AFL. We just need to start thinking about the next generation as it takes 20 to 30 years to show. Yeah, and this conversation came up during the week on ABC Radio Melbourne. We talked a lot about if you know information, and this is one of the big conversations, having information at your disposal when you make a choice, whether you play or not. So we started talking about in the office whether we thought people would stop playing if they knew the risks or whether people knowing the risks would choose to play anyway, which is their right and their right to do so. And I thought a person who I wanted to hear from was Nathan Burke, who's the coach of the AFLW Western Bulldogs, former St Kilda legend and also 
pioneer of the helmet, big helmet wearer when, wearer when he was playing. And Raph Epstein on Drive just asked him whether or not he thought it would change the game. It was really just a, a matter of time, sort of just keeping across a little bit what's going on in the States. Uh, they're way, way ahead of us with their autopsies and the number of athletes that are donating their brains. Um, I didn't realise that ours was so few players uh, actually doing it. So when it came through, I... I just naturally thought the the way that our game is played, then it's a uh, it's inevitable really that we do have players suffering from CTE. So uh, probably confirms what we all thought was happening. Is it going to change the way we play the game? It will do a couple of things. One, it will ensure that we have to make the rules as safe as possible. Um, I think that's a, a really, really important thing that we need to do. We, we owe it to the people playing that make it as safe as possible. We need to sort of change uh, what we think is brave in a game. Um, so it's not necessarily brave to go sticking your head into places that it shouldn't be there. We'll, we'll declassify that as, as silly now rather than brave. So the rules, bravery, I think that's going to be the main thing. Will it stop people playing the game? Um, Look, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think if you play a contact sport anyway, I, I always knew, I, I, I chose football. I went into it with open eyes knowing that I'm going to break bones. I'm going to have a nose that's pointing in a different direction. I'm going to have knee operations. I'm going to have hits in the head. And I took that risk. I think you'll still get people prepared to take that risk. So it's interesting, I suppose, hearing from someone who's involved in football all the time because it's amazing to have research and it's amazing to have data and it's tragic to find out that this was actually what's happening but we need more research so that people can make an informed decision. One thing Berkey said that I'd love to ask you all about is about the terminology we use when people go back in a pack. We have always said it was brave mm. and it's been always a part of the game but surely going forward we can we've always tweaked the game depending on the information that we have at hand and so it'd be interesting to see how it changes going forward and if we can do that with our language as well when we see people do things. Well, just the other day at the game I heard someone say, oh, hospital kick, remember that uh, term and just the the thought of literally, Mm. you kind of have a giggle at that, but that uh, connotation is horrid. Well, I teach some boys at Parade College and one of the boys had several concussions Mm. and I've talked to him about playing smarter footy, so changing that, you don't need to Mm. have... Let that go that it's brave footy. Let's play some smarter footy. And we've been working with him around doing that and positioning his body and reading the play a little bit better so that he doesn't have to do that. When you hear of Jack Frost, the Collingwood and Brisbane defender who retired two years ago, having Mm. 56 games and 14 concussions, that's just... And players like Paddy McCartan, where they're touted as being, you can't wait to watch them play, right? And then they get there and they're not able to have the career you think they're going to be able to have before they get in there. And in the AFLW, we're seeing that a lot more as well. Like Emma Grant, people who are struggling um, with this, and we're all struggling with it, and that's all right too. We don't know all the information yet, but we love the game. We want it to be successful down the track. And so it's healthy to have conversations about how it might look. And Sorry, it's also, no, it's also um, great that Emma is taking the break. Mm. I think in years gone by, we would have just pushed her into the game faster. Yep. And I think that the AFL is learning in that space. But I think there needs to be a whole mindset change with some of the players who still want to play brave footy. Yep. Interestingly, I saw a tweet from Xavier Ellis, who played a little while ago for Hawthorne and then for West Coast, yep. correct? Yes. And he wrote, off the back of Polly's findings, I've wondered for years and never been given a good reason why aren't players' brains scanned upon arrival at an AFL club as a baseline and again at the conclusion of their career because hips, feet, eyes, shoulders, fat are all scanned at will. 
Yes, and also Liam Picken, who is was an amazing player. We all loved watching him play. He did tweet as well during the during the week that this year would be a great time to introduce a concussion substitute into the AFL. Would take the pressure off players, clubs, and medical staff, and would also reduce the disadvantage to clubs if they lose a player through concussion. So thinking about practical tweaks that we yep. can actually put into place before we have research is the way to go. Practical tweaks. From Practical Tweets. <laughs> yes. Is that yeah. what you're saying? I love it. That could, that's our spin-off pod. <laughs> yeah, that's our spin-off pod. So concussion's going to be a watch this space, but that is hu- that was huge news this week. Now, I alluded to it at the start of the show that the Australian Sports Museum at the MCG has reopened this week, and it is sensational, and it's so interactive. I was in there watching a hologram of Basha Hooley and Taylor Harris, and it felt like they were right there in front of me. And then I looked to my right, and I thought, oh, there's a Sabrina. Frederick one and I went out to get closer and it hugged me and it said hi Em how are you and I realised it was just Sabrina Frederick at the Australian Sports Museum which was a huge highlight as well and I don't think she's always there as a living feature but she's fantastic. Shelley you've been honoured in the museum how did they what happens when you're going to be in a museum do they ask did they ask you for something specific? They specifically asked me they asked for my scarf and they said that um, they wanted to put my Mangrook scarf that I'd worn on television. So everything in there has been worn or, you know, has been a part of somebody's story. So they asked for my scarf and I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit nice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give them the real one because you still wanted to wear it? I've actually got two. A so I had a high rotation. My very, very original one that's quite, you know, old and gross, they sort of went, I will take the... <laughs> the, <nice laughs> the one without the jam them, donor. Yeah, pretty much. I'd worn that one for years and so that was um, really lovely to have it in there as a tribute. We've got a few tweets. Uh, someone saying, uh, my ballroom dancing medals and ribbons, something I was actually good at. That's so That's good. Beautiful. to Yeah, it's beautiful. And also photos of the captains of the ABC commentary radio from McGill Ray to Jim Maxwell. So oh. that's nice to have those pe- those voices you love. What would you have, Emma? Um, I was thinking you could have a, an immersive moment because there's lots of interactive stuff and I'm wearing my um, green and gold wristband today, <laughs> which is a sweatband that um, is interactive at the museum. It makes everything happen and it makes it all tick and move and all those kinds of things. I would like an interactive cut-up yellow phone book, uh, which is very <laughs> of my era of my youth, which is so not eco-friendly and we would never. it's hard to chop up the online yellow pages. Um, but that was such a – that confetti moment was always such a joyous one yeah. as a child. So and then so collecting good. all the piles of yellow paper and yes. throwing them again, which would have been disgusting. Well, they'll be virtual, so it doesn't matter for the environment. So, yes, yeah, and thing, I have to say this about the Australian Sports Museum is it is fully inclusive, that it is it's uh, 40, 40 men and women's things. I think that was the stat. Right. Is that the stat on it? Yeah, 40%. It was 40% men and 40% women's sport and then the, and then the 20. outlier, 20% so, is like horses and <laughs> non-human and scarves and things like that. Right. So I really loved it and... And um, I highly recommend it. I'm so proud of you, oh, Shelley, being you. in there. Yes, so we are. thrilled. I'm just so thrilled. It was just such an honour. I can't wait to take Taj there. Get all your kids there. Like, it's mm. so interactive. Like, before a game, get there an hour before or two hours before and have a play. Like, such it's so a much good fun. Idea. The other massive one that's there is uh, Pennicola Reed and her, uh, when she took... Uh, when she went to VCAT for the right to play, you know, Pennicola Reid played in Collingwood's team. She was the Collingwood coach and won the premiership last year in the VFLW. And she's now moved to Williamstown, but she um, took VCAT, went to VCAT to play, to 
What did she do? To fight for her right to keep playing beyond the age of 14. Yes, because she was a girl and once she was going to play with the men, she wasn't going to be allowed to. So she tried to challenge the ruling of whether or not women can be drafted into the AFL, which, of course, there probably wasn't a rule because it was assumed no women would want to play mm. in the AFL. So she's a she's a pioneer. She's a history maker and a groundbreaker yeah. and she's also honoured at the museum. Now, pre-season, we found ourselves uh, down in the outer at Tigerland and we met an amazing woman who is part of Richmond's AFLW team. I hope you enjoy this. My name's Liz. Uh, I've got two titles. Mm-hmm. I'm a Lieutenant Commander in the Royal Australian Navy uh, and I'm the Leadership and Culture Coach here with the AFLW program. How did you get to this program? How and what was the intersection of your two roles? The ADF has a formal um, strategic partnership with the Richmond Football Club and a couple of years ago the woman running the ADF Women's Football Program approached Kate about, Kate Sheehan that is, about providing a pathway for uh, ADF women to participate in elite sport, either playing or administering uh, or coaching women's footy. Uh, And so I was given an opportunity to be, I guess, the apprentice, if you like, (laughs) in a coaching development program. Two VFLW seasons later, here I am. And those VFLW seasons, did they fly you down or was that at great personal cost to yourself to make that happen? Uh, Look, I was very well supported by the ADF. Mm -hmm. There was a bit of uh, personal cost involved as well, but um, it was just such a tremendous opportunity that I, you know, I mean, you don't even think about it, do you? And what's the payoff? We're standing here at Punt Road on the eve of the AFLW and the men's and women's are out there training together. Look at your smile. It's unbelievable. I just pinch myself every time I walk into this football ground. Um, The people are wonderful. The players are absolutely fantastic. They are so emotionally and physically invested in this program. Um, everyone at this club from the top down is just really excited about AFLW and you cannot help but just um, be so excited and, and swept up in it all. What's your um, game day role going to look like? Uh, so I'll be around to chat one-on-one with the players and to work with the leadership leadership group as well um, if they need me. Um, but it looks like I might also have a game day management role as well. Uh, the yelling that I've developed over 20-odd years in the <laughs> Navy and the uh, attention to detail and time management skills I think are going to um, come in handy in that role uh, to make sure the players are where they need to be, wearing what they need to be uh, in the place they need to be. Very exciting. I can't wait. We are so thrilled to have you on the Outer Sanctum. You're a real success story of the way that um, women's football can kind of harness leadership from other avenues and bring that in and I every time I see you I go this is the greatest story that's ever happened in football and now you're going to be on the AFLW stage best of luck for the season thank you very much it doesn't compare to being on the Outer Sanctum podcast which is a bigger (laughs) honour but um thank you very much and I'm really grateful for your support You are listening to the Outer Sanctum Test. Just before the break then, we were talking um, to Liz Quinn from Tigerland. The Tigers, of course, of course, play the cats. Of claws. Of claws. The Tigers of claws play the cats also of claws today. But you're from Tigerland. Did you love hearing that story from Liz? I really did love hearing that. I'm actually heading to Bendigo. So anyone from Bendigo listening, tell me what I should get up to when I come to your town because I'm heading that way this afternoon. But I, I loved hearing from Liz because I think in footy clubs, we talk a lot about culture and what that looks like. And Richmond, in our men's competition, had a rough couple of years where culture wasn't the, 
the main focus. They made culture of the club and the relationships between the players and the staff and all of those things the focus and results came later. So it is always good to know that the work is being done on culture early because it you might not see results of that yet but you may down the track and the things that people learn and the lessons off the field about being good people and being good teammates and doing your little bit for each other. I love hearing that because I think even though we're not we're not on the board, winner's board yet. We'll get there and we'll get there because of the stuff that's being set up by Liz now. So you say that you also <laughs> just won a premiership in the men's competition. So when you say the yet part, I know that that's referring to AFLW, but yes. I go, Richmond is actually doing this already. Totally and in you the are men's. enjoying, yes. I mean, you're lying in a in a bath of premiership cups, I really, did, I did you? cry already on the tally last night watching the State of Origin because... Damien Hardwick and Cochin and Dusty all did that thing where they won the medal and the cup. It was great. I love that club. I love what we're doing. All the Richmond supporters are honking their horns as they're listening to that. Tess, we just got a text message from someone saying, AFLW, the two-conference system is a pain, pointless and demeaning. Mm. I think a lot of people are still feeling like that. And could Libby give us a bit of insight? Libby's left the studio. Someone else is in the studio might be able to help us. Can you give us a bit of insight into Maddie Gay? What a super athlete. Does she have a background in other sports? Mm. There's someone who's just walked in the studio <laughs> while we madly Google. Uh, you've probably been enjoying the expert comments from AFLW expert Shiloh Curtis on Grandstand. We are thrilled to have her in the studio. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum, Shiloh Curtis. Thank you. Great to be in here mid-year. Mid-year. You called the game last night, uh, Maddie Gay. She's terrific. Yeah, she's really amazing, terrific. Wasn't she? Yeah, really good. Hasn't been playing football for all that long. She had a, I think she had a season in the a season or two at St Kilda Sharks in the in the VWFL slash VFLW, um, and uh, yeah, and then was you know was picked up quite early. Obviously went over to Carlton and then and then and then now is at Melbourne and. You know, I always say it generally takes about three years for a, a woman who's transferred over from another sport to really. Um, uh, have their breakout year. First year's physical, second year's mental, third year you put it all together. And um, we're really starting to see that. And I think, you know, being around healthy culture builders like Paxman, O'Day, Daisy Pierce, um, and having that calibre of player around you, which means they can shoulder the workload whilst you develop your craft, super helpful. So um, any player that does go into Melbourne while those three players are there will just give newer or more developing players a, time, a space to develop because there's not much not much pressure on their shoulders. Is the exception to the cross-coding rule Cora Staunton, who seemed to come <laughs> in and destroy the competition? Of course, she's playing, her, she's playing her own game, but she's she's doing pretty well. She, well, I feel like sometimes Cora's playing Gaelic football, but just with our ball on yeah. our field. <laughs> um, ah. But look, Cora, to put, it, to put it into context, Cora's been voted one of the top 100 athletes of all time in Ireland. Yeah. Wow. We don't wow. understand no. who and what Cora is. Like, it's the equivalent of having, say, Daisy Pierce walk into another sport in in Bangladesh and absolutely dominating in a coach she's not really ever done before. Like, it's that's the equivalent Ridiculous. of it. Like, she's... I wouldn't put a past her, to be honest. After <laughs> <laughs> oh, doing boundary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, look, Cora's an amazing athlete. And the, the fact that she, you know, look, I had some friends, obviously, at the Giants and, and they were really worried that she'd never play again. And the fact that she's up and going so quickly. You think about some of the guys who've had those mm. tib-fib double break you know Nathan Brown, that really awful one we saw many years ago in the men's in the mm. men's comp. 
Um, and the, and she, the way she's been able to come back, so phenomenal. That might have actually been the last time we saw the green whistle appear was Cora's bone-crunching mm. leg at the end mm. of last season. We saw it again last night. Terrible for Ash Brazel. Terrible. A- Ash Brazel. Did I say that right? Brazel. Yeah. Brazel. Yep. You did Brazil? it with confidence and Brazil. it was right. It was Brazel. I think it's the double L on the end that makes it Brazel. Brazel. Okay, thank know. you. <laughs> that... Um, it looks like an ACL, Awful. do you think? Was, well, I mean, it was typical and, you know, we've seen a number of those where the girls have not even had... There's, I think most of the ACLs that we've seen of the girls are... There's not been any land. No one's come across their leg. It's just that plant and as you plant, it, the, the leg buckles. It just doesn't have enough, um, yeah, just enough support in that moment. So, yeah, it, it looked pretty typical. Uh, what was interesting, there was a... And we spoke about it afterwards, but the green whistle, often you don't get the green whistle. I've had three of them and... Um, there's initial pain when the ACL tears and then afterwards it's okay because the, the, the ligament's completely ruptured so there's nothing hanging on to any nerves. Um, <laughs> so you don't feel any pain afterwards initially. Um, uh, yeah, you know, but you can also do a medial, you know, sort of a, a grade two sort of medial ligament damage to that as well plus some cartilage damage which, which might, you know, explain the pain. So... As I said to someone last night, I hope it's just a broken leg mm. as opposed to an ACL mm. because a broken leg sort of six to eight weeks and a, an ACL is not. It's much, much longer. So terrible for Ash. So we're four weeks in. We're in the middle of the season. <laughs> and Charlotte, <laughs> so it feels weird to say that. Frio have been a huge story. Melbourne last night are a huge story. How do you see if you had to, I mean, putting your expert hat on and say there was a merged ladder what are you seeing? What do you what do you see emerging as the was story? Mm. Yeah, I wish there was a merge ladder because it's so hard following. I feel like we all have to follow two competitions yeah. at the same time. It's really intense. I go for Conference B. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. But they could they could yeah. put out Conference B merch and I'd buy it. Yeah. Look. Oh, look. Frio. <laughs> it's a great idea. Um, Frio. Look, they do look good. They haven't had to travel though. And I guess to put that in context, you know, we all said that um, Collingwood were pretty wonderful going into last week and I thought they were, they were fantastic mm. but they travelled and Freo hasn't had to tra- to put that into context for you someone did tweet me last night and said no team has won after going to Fremantle since 2008 18 in the following week and I thought oh. that's how the pies oh. played last night they looked they looked they were pies oh. of old they they didn't transition well oh, yeah. the numbers on the board statistically weren't too different. Mm. Um, but the thing that I noticed, they just were slow in transition, really reactive, very different to the pies that we've seen are relying on too many of the top end players. I think they had five or six players at the end of the game that had five or less disposals. So for me, I just thought it was work rate, but maybe that's potentially fatigue. And so let's see what Frio does now that mm. they're going to have to, tr- they'll have to travel a lot in the back half of the season. So um, that'll be interesting to see if they can cope there. Melbourne, for me, they, they had a very balanced game last night. The challenge for them will be making sure they don't lose any of their any more players to injury, particularly their top end. The injuries mm. have all been to their bottom half players, not to their top half. And if you look at their statistics, you know, the, the, the players that are flying for them are their usuals in Paxman, O'Day, Pierce and Gay. Um, those players need to stay fit and healthy. They sure do. Now, St Kilda, they've had two rising stars and they could have probably had a third. They're a young, <laughs> exciting team, aren't they? Yeah, look, I think um, they've recruited well. They've recruited emerging talent as opposed to lots of sort of players that have been delisted and haven't had much opportunity. They were very smart in making sure they had an early draft pick. They didn't trade stuff away to get, you know, established bigger name players. And, I, and, and so they're able to pick up 
Patrikios. I've, no, I've worked with Patrikios from the time she was about 12 or 13 and we always knew she was going to be really special. She's really balanced. She's very balanced and poised with a beautiful kicking style, very similar to a Georgia G, mm. um, and just looks like she's got all the time in the world, like a Jenna Bruton. Um, so they were very smart and they picked up a really good one there. The other one they've picked up there is Livia Vesley. She came out of the talent search, the first AFL talent search that the AFL ran in 2016 following Gill's announcement the licence, that the, 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 the comp would happen. And she was picked... We found her with um, Eleanor... Um, Brown, who's now at the Western Bulldogs, and she's got tricks. She missed out after a top age year. She really focused on um, on her schooling in year 12 and probably wasn't as fit as she probably needed to be to play at that next level and get drafted. So she's had a year of playing VFLW and she's been picked up by St Kilda. Olivia Vesley's got absolute tricks. So she's her second, she's her second leading um, ball winner at the moment with 43 um Possessions and uh, yeah, she's she's a she's got a lot of growth because she's so underdeveloped. But she's an absolute star, Vesley. I wanted to ask you about St Kilda compared to the other three new teams. St Kilda seem like they've been in the competition for longer than the other three new teams. Do you know why? Explain to us why. Well, they've got a coach that's coached a lot of women's football and understands what needs to happen in women's football. And um, and I, I feel like finally the coaches and I made comment about it during my calls this year that I there's a, the if you look at the stats that the um, the disposal efficiency is up this year across the board by hand and by foot um, that kick to handball ratio is down which is great we're balancing how we play the game to make, try and maintain possession for and I finally feel like the coaches have realized that our accuracy by foot over a longer kicking distance isn't yet there and so let's use shorter kicking to maintain mm. possession of the footy so that we can and, and and then combine that with efficient handballs to have run and carry play and as a result, um, we're, we're getting more efficient footy across the board. Yes, the girls are fitter, they're more skilled, they're, they're, they've been developed more, but I think it's this trend around shorter kicking. Pete mm. Searle, um, while she had an absolute superstar team at Darabin, she also understands what mm. women's football's like. She's played it, she's coached it, she's been a part of it for you know about nearly 30 years now, I guess, and and Pete knows what you need to what you need to draft to in women's football because it's different from men's football. And she and I feel like she drafted quite differently and recruited quite differently to the other teams. You are listening to the AFLW expert stylings of Shiloh Curtis from <laughs> ABC Grandstand. Stylings. <laughs> Commentary team, Alicia. Well, on that then, how do you, how are you seeing Richmond and the Suns uh, at the moment? Look, I thought I think the Suns are probably doing better than most people would have thought. Mm. But they also did, you know, they brought a, a bit of talent down the highway, back down the highway to them. They've got some good established players, good established leaders that are going to be culture builders and the Kazlers and the like. So you need to build culture as well. Um, and uh, Richmond, on the other hand, it was really interesting. I think they, I think they loaded up too top heavy um, early. You know, it's great, you know, to have faces like Brennan and Conti and Frederick. Um, you know they're going to help sell the team and the club, but the club doesn't need to sell itself. It's 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 do it's flying. Hundred thousand members. You know it is it is absolutely flying. And and if you look at if you look at who they've drafted and how they've drafted, they had they took more picks into the draft than any other team. I think they had thirteen going into the draft. But you know I I, I think um, some of the some of the players they did pick up, you know, might not have had the experience that 
that Richmond really needed, or potentially the skills, the skill development that Richmond really needs to make sure they're playing good footy. And, you know, you, you can have some really good top-end talent, but you're only as strong as your, your 30th player. Mm. And if that player doesn't have a kicking or disposable efficiency um, that that you need to maintain possession, then, you know, there's always going to be weak links in your, in your, in your play um, link-up. So... You know, would they have done it differently? I don't know. But certainly if you look at Pete Searle, Pete Searle really prioritises craft, really strong on craft, skill, maintain possession, have good kicking, have good handball use. One thing that's really interesting about that is that we saw new teams enter the competition last year mm. and then again this year. And there is going to be a little bit of a break now before the competition expands again, which means that people don't really get to go back to the drawing board no. in the way that they have in previous years. So I think, you know, the purchases that they made on draft day, um, they kind of have to live with them for a bit longer. You know, in terms of this fledgling competition, it's only four years old and it looks like it's going to be another three years before we have other clubs coming in. So, you know, there's not going to be another huge influx of movement mm. the ways that we've seen in the last two years. So they do need to look at list development is actually going to be incredibly important important over the next couple of years in in a different way, Shai? Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that, you know, it does is that, you know, Conti, Brennan and Frederick, they're all on, you know, large ASAs as well. And that puts a lot more pressure on those players. You know, they've got to turn... And we saw some of the criticism that both of those, you mm. know, Frederick and and and, um, and Brennan have both had to endure in the last few weeks. But, you know, that's extra pressure. And I think if you're an emerging club, you've just, you just need to make sure it's pretty balanced culturally and, you know, just take the pressure off the girls. They've just got to turn up and play footy. So I think Carlton's done a really good job of turning over their list. Um, they're quite quite a balanced team. I think oh, I really like how they're playing their footy. They're good inside and outside now. And, and even some of their bigger names, they threw the kitchen sink at, to get Harris. Um, and I think for the first time we're seeing Harris play a more balanced team game. And and I think they've finally got the balance right around. It's about the team doing it. It's not about who kicks the goals. It's about making sure the goals get kicked. So that's quite different. Um, and I think that's there's a, I, I see a different mentality when I watch Richmond play at this point. We're going to get into the game previews because there are some other games coming up today, which is always exciting for AFLW fans. Uh, Tess, you were going to take a look at the Tigers and the Cats. I am big cat, little cat. I'm heading up the road. <laughs> we're playing in Bendigo. Neither team's had a win, so it's quite. It's going to be quite amazing either way. The Cats, I feel, I don't know about you lot, I feel like they've been the unluckiest team to not have a win. Mm-hmm. They played Freo at home. Freo are amazing. They played the Lions in top form and that last week they played the Crows and it went down to the wire. They've been really good. Danielle Higgins is in amazing form. Liv Purcell in the, in the midfield is unbelievable. And Meg Mack back. All of a sudden their structure's the back, is back and they're away. So I feel like the Cats are, pro- are very likely to get a win. For my Tigers, I don't know, we... We've got a couple of Bendigo girls, Jodie Jacks and um, Grace Campbell, both from Bendigo, both know the ground well. That will be an advantage. Sabs has been dangerous down forward when she gets a go at it. And so if the delivery to her is seamless today and we get our structures right, I feel like we could be in for a good time. What are your thoughts? Uh, and it, our spoken defence. Like <laughs> What's happening in Bendigo? Um, good times. Good times in Bendigo. So I, I think the Cats have probably got it, but I think it'll be close. Can I just ask, because language matters, is it down forward or up forward? Oh. I feel mm. like it's up forward and it's down, down back. back. Down back, up forward. Yeah, all right. Maybe it was my glass half empty of personality. I'm just putting it out there. Forward. We might need <laughs> to do a Twitter poll <laughs> later today. Uh, now, North, who are 
impeccable. I mean, yeah. they're amazing to watch. And Arden Street <laughs> is going to be brought back to life today as they host the Suns, Alicia. That's right. And uh, there was a men's practice match at Arden. The Demons won by 22 points over the Roos. But I love this. There's going to be face painting, handballing competitions, <laughs> beanbags, kombucha, beanbags. and kick to kick after the siren. So who doesn't want to get down there? Um, Gold Coast defender Lauren Ahrens will uh, cross paths with familiar faces, it said, because she's playing home. She lives in North Melbourne. Her partner's from North Melbourne uh, and she is playing against North Melbourne. So that's pretty exciting. Tasmanian Mia King will become the seventh new shin boner for 2020, uh, being named as a debut. So North have won two out of three wins, coming off a massive win against the Tigers. Mm, Sorry, Tess, right. by 56 <laughs> points. <laughs> and the Sun with a draw last week against Brisbane and one win against the Tiger and just a one-point loss against GWS. You've got to say it's North, right? You would think so. Can I just quickly take a straw poll? Draw. Should they play extra time in this very shortened yeah. season? Yes. What do you yes. think, so. Tess? Yes. Tess is a yes, Shiloh's nah. a no. Alicia? Oh, if Shiloh said no, I'm saying no. <laughs> Shelly, yeah, Shelly's just flipped. I think we should play extra time. I think you I need do. the full four points. The Eagles are going to meet the Dogs. Shelly, how do you see this matching up? Well, West Coast haven't had the start to the season they would have liked. They haven't won a game and it's not looking good for a win moving forward. The Bulldogs, this is a must win for them to keep the season alive. I think the Bulldogs midfield will be too strong and West Coast, unfortunately, are going to get schooled again. Oh, I really want them to get a it's win. Not all. I'd really, I think they're a great bunch of amazing women. You know, we're always barracking from Michelle Cowan in here, shy. The Eagles, they'll get a win this season, won't they? Well, you'd, you would hope, hope so. so. Okay, that's not the answer <laughs> I was looking so. for. We hope so. Now, I've got an even bigger question that's come through on the oh, SMS. Yes. The for new 4 and 20, I'm using a brand, but the vegan pie. Yep. Is any oh, there are some no. vegans in this room? Yeah, no. Well, yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm all for veganism and I'm all for being Same. plant-based, but, you know. You wouldn't go with a vegan pie? No, it, you know. No. It depends because I don't like the fake meats. So mm, if it's a fake yeah. meat pie, no. If it's a veggie, it's, it's a full veggie of veggies, pie. I'm it's into a it. Pie, it's a veggie pie. Or vegan pie. If it's yeah. all full of veggies, I'm into it. Lauren on the SMS says she thinks it might trigger some punters, but go footy. <laughs> Tess, what do you got over there? We also got a tweet in. Very positive. We've been a bit negative about the conference system. Bron says, I might be in the no- minority, but I don't mind two conferences and ladders while the seasons are short. But ask me again if the D's missed the finals by one spot <laughs> when they would have made it on one ladder. So it's it's true. I mean, as we talk about the travel, the conferences might come good. That's true. Now, the other thing that happens is tomorrow the Crows will play the Blues. Shiloh, I'm going to take your tip there. I'm going to call an upset. I've called the Crows last two the last two weeks, and they've they've just gotten there. Um, they haven't been convincing. I know Aaron Phillips is back, and that, there's that only one, one Aaron, Aaron Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, go on. <laughs> but Carlton's playing all right footy. They've been pretty balanced. I know that the Crows are playing at home, but there's just something about Carlton, and 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 I just don't know how long the Crows' luck's going to hold out for. That's mm. interesting. Uh, what about St Kilda Frio? Oh, she's gone <laughs> silent. You know, Frio. I still think Frio, Frio. just on experience. And yeah. the Lions and the Giants? Giants. Oh, that's oh a massive. They do deserve a good win. They really do. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Shiloh Curtis. Thanks also to Liz Quinn, Libby Birch, to Nick, our producer. And thank you to everyone who's joined us and SMSed us. We hope that you'll grab a footy, get a friend and get to the game this weekend. You can follow us on socials and we have enjoyed your company. There is, of course, only one thing left for us to say. What is it, ladies? Go, Go footy! footy!
Hello, Sanctimers. We have had a very special guest in the studio with us today and she was watching us record the radio show and mm-hmm. we just thought, what an opportunity to welcome into the um, outer sanctum, into the inner sanctum of the outer sanctum, Rika Roy. Rika is the host of Turning Point on NDTV and she has been working in the media in India, in sports media for over a decade. Rika, welcome to the outer Thank sanctum. Thank you very much, girls. And I love chatting to girls about sport. <laughs> so that's what's brought you to Australia. Can you tell us about the program that you're a part of at the moment? Right. So I am uh, here to cover the ICC World T20 and I at the same time, I'm doing a fellowship with ABC, which is about podcasting. Uh, and it is run by the Wins Women is in News and Sport, which is funded by DFAT. And I go back home and I create my own podcast, which probably will also cater to women and get more mm. women into sport. What's the climate like in India for um, women who have voices in sport? Well, you see, there are a lot of uh, women athletes who are doing very well uh, in India. And if you look at the last Olympic Games, uh, not a single man won a, won a medal for mm. India. <laughs> there were three women who got uh, India medals. And this year, once again, it's going to be big in women's sports in India with the Olympics coming up, the under-17 soccer Football, that's what we the Indians call. Uh, The Under-17 World Cup is happening in India. So a lot of girls around the globe are going to converge in the subcontinent. Mm. And, um, well, we we also uh, know that the Indian women's cricket team have now made it to the knockouts of the ICC tournament. So, you know, a, a real big push for women's sport. But outside of the ones who play... The conversations are not happening that much yet. Mm. So what we do need to do right now are conversations, get more people to the turnstiles of different sports, also get mothers involved, kids involved. That's actually happening. It's been happening for the last couple of years. Uh, Women's sport is followed more and more by mothers and kids. Um, Also team, team sports. The Indian women's hockey team is doing very well. Team sport need to be encouraged more and more. The individuals are still getting into sport. One of the big sports in India where girls get into and dream of winning Olympic medals is shooting. And the the Indian team this year, the seniors, are packed with girls. I think, if I'm not wrong, about 70% of the team is made of girls. The Indian shooting team for Tokyo. So in India, uh, you're known for big crowds going to cheer Mm -hmm. on sport, so passionate about sport. Are there numbers going to watch the women play in anything? Um, Well, let me put it this way. If there is a PV Sindhu or a Saina Nehval playing a badminton game on a Mm. given day, the stadium will be packed to rafters. (laughs) Um, well, it also depends on performances, you see, and the kind of and the brand of sport they play. Now, the Indian women's cricket team is followed more and more since 2017, given the brand of cricket they have mm. played. Um, Indians love competitive sport. And when it gets when, you know, we win against tougher 
opponents is when it it gets crowds in, it gets sponsors in, it gets like a whole bunch supporting that spot. And yes, uh, you will get a lot of crowd getting into the stadium for the badminton stars, for the hockey girls. And now I hope with the kind of performance that the girls have given, it'll be for the Indian cricket team as well. Mm. Yeah. And what about the sport of AFL in India? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I know that it had made a, quite a surge in the last few years. How is that travelling in India? Well, uh, the AFL... Um, had uh, they had come and played one match in India since then it's been all very quiet ah. so we haven't heard of uh, you know more AFL matches what we do need is for for when a new sport comes in it needs to be at the grassroots maybe at the schools maybe at the colleges that's where it needs to be introduced to have not only a playing pool but also a fan base so uh, i don't think afl has made has been able to make that entry into schools and colleges that's why we don't see that many clubs either uh well I don't think many Indians are aware about AFL. Uh, you mentioned the cricket team, which surprised us because we were beaten on the first night of the World Cup. In India's team were amazing and Punam Yadav, your captain, was incredible and just mm-hmm. blew us out of the water. Mm-hmm. What do you think that did back in India for people's attention here? <laughs> um, well, uh, two things. Uh, I think... The Indians never expected uh, to beat the Australians in the first match of the World Cup. So that caught the Indians on the wrong foot and the Indian fans on the wrong foot. They were like, what the hell? What is happening? We were all like that. We were all like that. Twitter was full of it. And I think the Aussies panicked a little yeah. bit in the first match. Choked. Beginning. <laughs> well, that's no, where it belongs no, to the no, South no, Africans no, no, right. <laughs> when it comes to cricket. And the Aussies wouldn't want to claim that. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, well, um, I think they panicked a little bit. They were, as I said, caught on the wrong foot. And Puna, But, you know, what's surprising to me is Poonam Yadav is not an unknown commodity mm. in international cricket. She's, played, she's been playing since 2013. Mm-hmm. So all the girls, all the Aussie girls have had a look at her, except for the tri-series that happened ahead of the um, to- ahead of the World Cup when she did not play mm. because she was injured, Poonam was injured. So she was kept under the wraps during that time and no one had any <laughs> idea what she was going to unleash on the yep. day of the match. So subsequently, you see, all the other teams have figured out how to play Poonam Yadav, though I would still say that the spinners are having an impact on the tournament. Indian batsmen haven't really come to the party yet, except for that 16-year-old Shefali Varma Mm. who's been the teen sensation Mm. uh, in the World Cup for India. Yeah. Did you say batswomen? Batsmen. Batswomen. Batswomen. Just checking, just checking. I love love batswomen. Now you've visited... Batswomen, bata, these are the terms. Yeah. Probably. Did you say cricket player? Player of the that's, match. That's what we heard Donald Trump say this week when yeah. he said <laughs> cricket players. Suchin Tendulkar. Suchin Tendulkar. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, you visited our friends at Ladies Who League, Ladies Who Leg Spin uh, mm-hmm. in our Sydney studios, and now you've seen the Outer Sanctum doing their thing. You're going back to create your own podcast. Can we listen to it? 
Well, you know, I wanted a podcast that would be inclusive, which would get ladies talk more about sport and give me their thoughts and even even give me their stories, come out with their stories. One of the things that, you know, I'm also thinking about is making the podcast bilingual or trilingual because India has so many mm. languages uh, to be able to reach out to more and more women perhaps it's easier to talk in a language that would help them articulate better mm-hmm. and not just keep it to one language that is english so that's something and and you know kind of uh toggling between two or three languages may be tricky so i'm trying to figure tricky. out tricky tricky it's a little <laughs> yeah it is a little tricky that's yeah. awesome <laughs> so i'm trying to figure out the best possible way mm. to do it make it simple and um make it uh you know conversational. Mm. Can I ask you about as a child what what brought you to sport? What was your original love of sport? Well, um you know, I grew up in a family that spoke about sport and all our dinner table conversation. <laughs> I grew up in a joint family that is one of the things about India where a lot of people belong to one family and a dinner table may typically have 15 to 16 people and uh, on on a given day and conversations would be around sport so that was one thing that really uh, brought the family together to talk about sport it could be soccer which is mm-hmm. which which is what football is in india it could be cricket it could be hockey it could be any sport my dad played rugby um and he played rugby for the uh for for in the asian circuit so that was one of the things one of the influences i played uh tennis at the, at the at the national level uh till the time i was injured and i couldn't play so sports was while other things developed around me sports was one constant phenomenon and uh one of the things that strung the family together mm. So I am intrigued you have 11 million viewers that are turning into turning point. What have you learned from us from Podcast Australia that you're going to take back? <laughs> yes, I will tell you what I have learned from you. It is um um it's about reaching to more and reaching out to more and more people and more and more women in in particular i think having spoken to you guys having spoken to the uh to the girls and ladies who like spain my learning has been how to reach out to my women viewers because i only have 2% women tuning on to my show which is uh which is an analysis show of the day sport particularly cricket so perhaps uh to get in more uh women audiences on the show i have to make it i have to involve them i have to make it more conversational and make it in a way that would interest them as well so that connection. and so that they can also watch turning point and you know find their own segments find the th- the, the way they connect can connect with turning point so for me you know it could be across platform promotion tv and uh, uh podcast but podcast is something i would want to reach out to my uh, because i'm very passionate about women taking up sports more and more and women uh, being a part of the sports conversation you know there is a huge uh, uh, conversation right now going on in india about health and fitness because the government has uh, launched uh, the school games and the college games and the university games uh 
all three in three successive years. So that's going to give a push to the uh, grassroots sport. And it's it's the mothers who are really now keen to know what it is going to do to the kids, how much time they'll have mm. for studies, how much time they'll, you know, do sports. And, and you know, they're trying to uh, figure out the elite, elite sports men and women for the 2024 Olympic Games. And that's this is going to be the talent hunt process. So the ones who will be number one, two, and three in, in, in these games, they will be in camps, they will be in different academies. So that's how the development programs will be uh, monitored and done. So this this is creating a converse this is you know this has started a conversation in schools, colleges and elsewhere as well. But we'll really have to see how much impact it has going forward, given that, you know, the Indians definitely would, the Indian parents definitely would tell their kids, oh, well, we don't know whether you end up winning an Olympic medal and become a millionaire, but you have to do your studies and have a stable career. Australian parents would say that too. (laughs) But in India, if you are to win an Olympic medal, the day that you win an Olympic medal, the next moment you become a millennial. That does oh, not wow. happen yeah. here. No, that's that does not, here. not happen our, here. Our Olympic athletes end up being like working in the, the postal workers yeah. or they have to no, get other, They not do not enough. become millionaires at all. They, it's, a, it's a big thing for, for the Indians and, and, and a big aspiration for the Indian parents today who've seen um, our generation winning medals and whatever may be the colour of the medal, they do... Tend up, they do end up becoming millionaires. They do end up driving Mercedes and Audis. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had, Which is like a big thing in India. Yes. I had a great political question, an environmental yeah. question, but I'll just ask this. Uh, if podcasting was an Olympic sport, what do you think you would be great at in that sport? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, talking. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome here. I concur and you're very welcome here. You've got a chair for life on our podcast. Rika, it's been such a joy to have you in the studio with us today. Mm -hmm. One final thing. Have you got a comment on how do you find Australia? How do you find our Mm. sports obsession? Does it match India's sports obsession? Well, uh, your country is much, much more obsessed than we are. We are passionate followers. In India, it's the numbers, you know. I mean... Wherever India plays, you you see a sea of blue. And that's because we are 1.3 billion people and so many of us across the globe. So you can't match the numbers. But definitely in terms of conversation, the passion about sport, you are a few notches higher than than India. Also, one of the things that I like about Australia is that you have structures in place, which which is something what India need to work out on structures and processes. It's not just about the talk talk. It's about having done the work and, you know, reaped benefits out of out of the work, the foundation that you've laid. Thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck for the World Cup. We Thank will be you. we won't be supporting India. But we <laughs> wish you the very and, best of luck. You know, I hope it's an India versus Australia oh, final. <laughs> that will definitely sell it out. And also we know that there's a lot of things going on in India at the moment and we just send you and wish you all the very best for going home Thank and for you your very country. Much. Mm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.